The reading today is from Matthew 8. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Thank you, Scott. I'm hearing voices. The Lord is with me. I'll, I'll, I won't preach this. I'll, I'll listen to what they're saying. <laughs> okay, right. Well, this is the third uh, of our little series during Lent. And yes, it's Lent, if we, we didn't know. Um, on the theme of having our attention out there rather than on ourselves. Um, and I said in the first talk that I gave that we often, you know, give things up for Lent. However, this year, what I wanted us to consider was the possibility of rather than giving things up, about having our attention off ourselves and instead putting it on other people. And in that first talk, I spoke about the importance of compassion, uh, compassio, to feel with to suffer with somebody. And I use that lovely quote from Ori Newell, which says, uh, let us not underestimate how hard it is to be compassionate. Compassion is hard because it requires the inner disposition to go with others to the place where they are weak, vulnerable, lonely, and broken. But this is not our spontaneous response to suffering. What we desire most is to do away with suffering by fleeing from it or finding a quick cure for it. So looking out for others rather than ourselves, not being afraid of that suffering. You know, we always think that, that, you know, when we feel someone is suffering, we want to avoid them because we don't want their suffering to add to ours. But funnily enough, I said in that first week that when you actually go towards someone who's suffering and you put your attention, you, you forget your own suffering. And so two plus two, one plus one doesn't equal two. It sort of enables you to move out to somebody else. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what I, I was speaking about. Then in the second talk, I went a little further and spoke about the idea of living in the fifth dimension. You know, we've got three dimensions of space. Then we have the fourth dimension, really, which is time. And that fifth dimension that I spoke of was the place, I said, of non-duality. That fifth dimension is the place of non-duality, where we recognize that we are a part of a bigger self or consciousness. And I said the only way that we can really stand up 
on the wave and surf our lives was to lift our eyes to the greater horizon where we're supported by that higher self in all that we do and to recognize that that ultimate reality, that true ground of our being, that living in the fifth dimension is what upholds us when we are doing things that are difficult. You know, that gives us the balance. And if you missed any of those, uh, then you can catch up with them on demand. There's one of these leaflets at the back, and you can either watch it on our YouTube channel, which is just the message and the reading, or the podcast, which is just the, uh, uh, the reading, or the audio reading. You get that from iTunes. If you want to watch the whole thing again, you can just watch it on our, our website. But these leaflets are at the back, and it just tells you um, how to do that. And today, I want to talk about the idea of being the adult in the room. And I've mentioned that idea before. In fact, I was watching Homeland last night, and, and it was actually mentioned on that as well. Oh, that's good. Um, but I think this is particularly important, particularly at this, this you know, point in, in time. What, what being the adult in the room really means is, is taking responsibility for the outcome of any action or meeting that you get involved with however it feels to you, however it feels. It is taking the view that we have ultimate responsibility responsibility for whatever happens and putting that into practice, even if we don't feel like doing it. But realizing that how much we're involved in our feelings and our thoughts, actually, we do have the opportunity of taking that place of being the adult in the room. Now, I'm sure most of us try and do that most of the time. But I think the emphasis here is on the word most. And I think that's the problem. You know, because really in this situation, most is is not enough. Most means all the times that I can bear it. But when it comes to the particularly unbearable, when I then, you know, when that comes, I will duck out and someone else can make sense of the mess because it's their fault and they need to take control. Which is why I like that T-shirt on your bulletin, adult-ish, which is really describes most of us, really. You know, most of us live that way most of the time. And all this is about having our attention on others rather than ourselves. It is the same sort of thing. It is not throwing the toys out of the pram when we don't get what we want. It's not reacting to our thoughts and feelings when they think that this person can go hang. It's making ourselves the ultimate peacemaker. It's taking on that role. One of the first places, you know, that we have to do that, and we learn to do that, to become the adult in the room, is with our parents. Now, I have to be careful here, because I know my mother's watching in England. So, so I'll definitely, I'm definitely not talking about you, Mum, in this. There's nothing to do with you at all. Eventually, we do all have to take responsibility for our relationship with our parents. We're so used to deferring to them that we'll always remain the child in that relationship. But even in this relationship... You know, we get to that point where we know we have to take responsibility for being the adult in the room and taking charge to make sure that the right result is achieved, even if it's to our own personal cost. And it's easy, you can see that, the movement of child to adult. And that's the key thing. 
we have to de- decide that the cost that we pay in being the adult is worth the result. That's the shift we have to make. You know, a good example is Nelson Mandela. You know, that, that Nelson Mandela quote. He was asked, you know, do you want revenge? And Nelson Mandela replied, yes, I want revenge, but I want peace for my country more. I want peace for my country more. That is being the adult in the room. That is the stance, you know. All, you know, a lot of the great names in history were really people who decided to be the adult in the room. You know, Mandela, Gandhi, Churchill, FDR. You know, you can see they planted themselves there and they took responsibility, you know, whatever the personal cost. And you can see that in the, in the spiritual leaders, you know, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, they were, they were all adults in the room. In that reading that Scott read to us, Jesus says, you know, foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And what that's saying is that, you know, there really is, there really is no place to hide. You know, when you take that stance, oh no, I've got to go and bury my father, I've got to do this. No. You know, whatever your mind is telling you is much more important. Jesus is saying, no, you, you've got to take that responsibility. And that second part of the story, the disciples are fearful and worrying. Yeah, they're obviously, and they're so obvious in these readings, they're just being the children. And they're waking up and say, oh, Dad, help, help, you know. And he stands up and he takes responsibility and control, as he did in his whole life. You know, he's an example of being the adult in the room. And then, you know, when we come to the, the passion and the crucifixion, you know, he is the adult in the room throughout that whole story. You know, with Pilate, with the chief priests, with the robbers, with the guards, and ultimately with the whole of humanity. You know, he took responsibility. And, and in a sense, our acknowledgement of, of his life is an acknowledgement of ultimately being the adult in the room. So, you know, what does that mean to us? You know, how, how do we do that? Well, we start with doing unto others, obviously. And we recognize that we are living in connection with that, that greater self, that fifth dimension. You know, we start with the, the recognition that we're not on our own. And, you know, we're in a chapel here. You know, we can, we can, that's what it's about. It's about recognizing that there is a greater self. There is a greater consciousness. In other words, we're not on our own, but we are a part of something bigger. You know, and I think we go from there. That, that is, those are the two pieces of, of thought that take us into being the adult in the room. And, you know, we notice the feelings that we have in any situation, the thoughts we have. And, you know, the key thing then is not to react to them. Not to react to them. You know, that famous quote we've used before from Viktor Frankl, you know, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. Between stimulus and response there's a space, and in that space is the power to choose our response. And in that response lies our growth and our freedom. And that is all about being the adult in the room. And for us, 
it's particularly relevant, you know, with our friends and our family. Not just because they're important to us, because, you know, we're modeling that. You have to model being the adult in the room. Because people just copy what they see, you know, at work, everywhere. They, we, we copy what we see. And to model being the adult in the room is such an important thing. You know, to take responsibility. And, you know, that's what we, we try to do here, to model that here in the chapel. You know, but we get caught up in being right. And we forget that we don't want revenge, but we want peace. You know, we forget these things when it comes to the key moments. So instead, it's about remaining calm and responding in a way that's going to move things forward positively, you know, to still the storm. And that does not mean disguising ourselves as adults, as the adult in the room, as a way of winning. You know, you know what we do, we become very measured, you know, and reasonable. We exude peace and we come up with rational solutions. But in reality, we're really saying, see, I'm the one who's not mad. I'm reasonable and calm and you're the one that's making all the fuss. Obviously, you're in the wrong and I'm in the right. I mean, it's so easy to do that, you know, to take this and just sort of, run it on someone, which is just a you know, way of being passively aggressive. Being the adult in the room is really about taking responsibility both for ourselves and the reaction of others. Taking responsibility both for ourselves and the reaction of others while still seeing the prize of peace. We acknowledge that fifth dimension by seeing that our good, our good and the good of the other is really served by serving the good of the whole. Always, always served by serving the good of the whole. And, you know, that takes insight. That inner perspective that I spoke about a couple of weeks ago. The ability to see beyond what our senses are telling us. Insight. The ability to see beyond what our sensing are telling us. And, boy, do we need that in the world today. That insight. We need people who are willing to be the adult in the room. And that's not about taking sides, it's about having the intention and the ability to go beyond our senses with insight. We need to be doing that as individuals in our lives and as a community here in the valley. The idea, that idea in that reading of stilling the storm is such a powerful context. You know, the men were amazed and asked, what form of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Even the forces of nature obey him. And often, you know, when we're dealing with other people, we are dealing with forces of nature. We know who those people are. And, you know, we have to take responsibility for them too. Our role is to be able to still the storm wherever we go. But when we caught up in the reacting and the shouting, we're most certainly not stilling the storm, as my children will tell you. You know, you catch yourself doing it. You, Turn that off now! <laughs> I've told you not to. Turn the gas on, whatever it is, you know. And now, you know, nor when we're determined to have our own way, no matter how right we can be about something. Yeah, being the adult in the room is not about being right. It's about taking responsibility of the whole. And that involves everyone. And, you know, that takes huge amounts of both awareness and patience. I think it takes awareness and patience. 
It takes awareness. You have to be aware of your thoughts and your feelings. You have to be aware of the thoughts and feelings of others and how they're coming across. Awareness ought not to be trying to be right. Awareness, you know, awareness of not trying to be right. Awareness of the whole, you know, awareness of that fifth dimension. Awareness of the greater self that gives us insight. All these have to be brought to bear when you're cutting that Gordian knot and trying actually to create peace when there's such a mess. And the key to it really is, is understanding the nature of the mind. You always come back to that, but it is about understanding the nature of the mind because all the mess happens in your mind. And unless you understand the nature of the mind, you can't work your way through that mess. Most of, of the time, just to carry on that analogy in the boat, our minds are a sea of trouble and worry. We're caught up in the problems, in the storm of our minds. You know, the Buddhists call it samsara. Worldliness, as the Christians call it. And that is not the true identity of the mind. That is not the true identity of the mind. When we're caught up in that, in all that stuff, we are not living in the fifth dimension but in the illusion of our own righteousness. And we're just making any situation worse by adding our own prejudice to that situation. So to be an adult in the room is a function of awareness. We can't be caught up in the situation. We have to be detached from it. To be involved, but also detached. To be involved and detached. To have our thoughts and feelings inform us as to where we are, but not dictate the responses that we make. So much, you know, of a child's life is about not being aware of the bigger picture. You know, what, you know, what defines children is that, in a sense, their innocence. But it's not being aware of the bigger picture. They have thoughts and opinions about things, but can be unaware of other issues that are going involved, like the impact that they're having or the way that things work out. It's their unawareness that actually keeps them as children. And in the same way as children, adults can have that unawareness, being unaware of how they're coming across, being unaware of what else is going on, and generally being ignorant of the way that the world really works. And the only way we can really be the adult in the room is to operate from that fifth dimension that I was talking about last week where you consider the good of the whole above your own personal good. To do anything else is to take a partial view, based upon the illusion of separation. It is to take a partial view based upon the illusion of separation. And we talked about how separation was an illusion a couple of weeks ago. And to do that, really, is to give up your birthright as a child of God, as a child of that greater consciousness to be able to connect with that divine presence and to be able to act in concert with it. Jesus said, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. There is that promise that we can do that. You know, the promise is there for us, as you know, the, the phrase of being children of God. But it does mean you have to take up the role of an adult. That famous story of Esau coming back in Genesis to see Jacob. And once, you know, uh, when the stew is being cooked and Esau comes in from the field and he's famished and he says 
to Jacob, let me eat some of your stew because I'm famished. And Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. And Esau said, I'm about to die. You know, what's use my birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me first. So we swore to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew and he ate and drank and rose and went away. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And we come back and we say, I'm famished. I'm not going to take good for the good of the whole. I'm angry. I'm upset. And we sell our birthright in a similar sort of way. And we take the nourishment of being right. We take that stew that feeds us of being right. We decide not to be the adult in the room and we despise our birthright. When we're having a row or wanting to be right about something or blaming others for what's happened to us, we say, what good is it to me if I'm connected to everything and I'm responsible? This guy's being an idiot and I want my revenge. We think that. We sell our birthright and we're plunged at that moment into the chaos of the world. You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That is the nature of the insight that we strive for, that serenity prayer. That is the beginning of the coming of the fifth dimension. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And we all have the ability to practice that all the time. Last page for any of those whose sea of mind is saying, when, it, when is he going to end? In any moment, in any interaction, being the adult in the room is partly coming from that place. And to do that, we have to come from the, the deep being rather than being pushed around by our thoughts and feelings and by our reactions. And that's what insight's about. Not being distracted, but being able to see into the very nature of things. You know, think about your life. How much are you driven along by other people and situations? You know, where are you, the child, in the room? Where do you say, I'm going to be the child in the room here and just moan? I'm going to be the child and I'm going to get angry because it's their fault. How much are you expecting others to make the first move and to sort things out for you? And where are you willing to be the adult? Where is it that really you accept it's down to you? And I just want to be clear, I'm not talking about controlling things here. I'm talking about having the highest good as your outcome. And that means listening to others, responding without trying to force the situation. Responding without trying to force the situation. Instead, we give our best. We're patient. This is being the adult in the room. We're patient. We're kind. We do not envy. We do not boast. We're not proud. We do not dishonour others. We are not self-seeking. We are not easily angered. We keep no record of wrongs. We do not delight in evil, but rejoice in the truth. We always protect, always trust, always hope, and always persevere. And what's that a definition of? Love.
from 1 Corinthians 13. That's the definition of love. And do you know why? Because love never fails. When you're in that place, love never fails. To be the adult in the room is truly to love. And next week we're going to talk about love and the nature of the mind in relationship to love. There we are. Let's pray. So we do pray for our world at this time, particularly praying for our world leaders, that they may have that sense of love in their hearts, sense of recognising that they really are the adult in the room. We pray for your love and peace to flow through our leaders to make this world a more peaceful place, a place where your love reigns. Pray for all those uh, in our town and valley at the moment, those on the mountain. Pray for all those in ski patrol and all those working on the lifts and looking after people on the mountain. Pray for those travelling during the spring breaks. Pray for safety. And particularly think of those who, who just feel totally out of control, people in war zones. Think of Syria at the moment, Damascus. Those in prison, in hospitals in abusive relationships. And we just pray for your comfort and love to those people. We pray for those who are special to us at the moment, in our little community here, particularly praying for Patricia Hill, Patricia Nichols, for Will Welsh, for Barbara Orcutt, for Tegan Sullivan, Mary-Kate Brewster, for Soleil, for Lee Bougay, for Betty van der Veer, Gary Daniel, Sandy St. John, Father Joseph Boyle and Father Thomas Keating. Pray for Bill Archer, Ken Hammersley, Nathan Morse, for Sophie Layton, for Julie Paxson, still suffering with bronchitis. And particularly we pray today for MJ Elisha, who's going into hospital for heart surgery on the 28th. We just pray for him and his family at this time. And we pray for all those who are dear to us in our hearts that others don't know of. We just make mention of them. Ask your blessing on all these people in Jesus' name. Amen.